When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Second to go on the shot right before I that. I think there may have been another impact. Can you tell? I just heard another very loud bang and a very large plane that might have been a DC-9 or a 747 just flew past my window and I think it may have hit the trade center. The second building that was hit by the plane has just completely collapsed. The Taliban must act and act immediately. They will hand over the terrorists, or they will share in their fate. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. All right, welcome back once again. This is your Decibel Geek Podcast. I'm Aaron Camaro, joined as always by Chris Sinzak. What's up, my man? Hey, how's it going? It's going great, man. I, I think we had a good time last week with, with uh, 2001. Yeah, part one was really good, and I think uh, hopefully we proved some of the naysayers wrong that there yeah. was good music released in 2001. It wasn't readily available at the time, but it was out there. We had to really dig for it, but yeah. uh, I think we're, I'm proud of what happened. And uh, as you know, this is part two of 2001, and as a lot of you remember, this is a year that changed a lot of our lives, but, right. and we will get into that through the discussion. But of course, rock and roll takes first uh Priority. Absolutely. This so, is the Decibel Geek Podcast, after all. So, uh, a lot of you shared and retweeted on Facebook and Twitter, and uh, you this, these are the Geeks of the Week. If you haven't, I need to remind people once in a while, if you're new to the show, we do this thing called Geeks of the Week, mm-hmm. and we want to give a special recognition to the people that share the link to the previous week's episode on Facebook and retweet it on Twitter. It's just a way of saying thanks. It's also how we build our audience. Right, and we maybe haven't mentioned in a while, but it's a it's a title that comes with a lot of honor and prestige, prestige. you know, yeah. and monopoly money. That's I'm telling you, it's still on the way. We haven't talked about the monopoly <laughs> money in a long time. Yeah. Okay. So nice. so before we get into part two of 2001, geeks of the week for last week are Devin Fox, Baco, Anthony Poole, Joseph C. M. Belly, Cal Hens, David Alpazar, Wally Norton, Derek Novak, Jeff Hoagland, Paul Korn, Mike Blunt. Ian Wadley, Robin Bennett, Colin Francis, Justin Hayes, Joe Lascon, James Brendan Dunn, Dan Chaput, Billy Hardaway, Joe Royland, Rob Harris, Warren Money, Matt Severson, Brent Walter, Mark Alden Taylor, Kiss Army Omaha, Dave Shirt, Mike Stewart, Chad Pollock, Rodney Dixon, Wayne Newburn, Sit and Spin with Joe, Brian Knapp, Faces Rocks Magazine, Loudmouth, Hot Metal Magazine, Raw Magazine, Podcast of the Best, Daniel Lee, Hoops, Stephen Atchison, and the Mooger Fooger. A.K.A. Friends of the Decibel Geek Podcast. We love you guys very much. We appreciate it so much. 
So we're back for part two of 2001, and the best way to always start these things off is the fun facts financially of the year. Yes. Um, facts of the... Uh, more facts from 2001. Average cost of a new car was $25,850. The U.S. postage stamp was $0.34. Cents. Yes, people still use those back in those days. Yeah, the price has gone way up since then. Ground coffee was $3.06 a pound. A loaf of bread was $1.82 a pound, and a mm-hmm. dozen eggs was $0.90. Cents. See, I think eggs... Are more expensive now, and bacon was cheaper. Yeah, or bacon's cheaper now. Yeah, bacon's no bacon was is more expensive now. Eggs are more expensive now. Yeah, everything's more expensive now. Jeez, I'm glad we're going deep into what breakfast cost in 2001. <laughs> this is what the rock people, and roll. That's what Gene Simmons was eating for breakfast in is, 2001. This is what people are demanding every week is to know. <laughs> The price of a dozen eggs. I'm glad we can entertain you. So people. many people just listen to that. Oh, that's what that was yeah. the prices of the year. Okay, well I don't I need you to turn hear off no the more. rest of the show. That's fine. You're good. Glad we could educate you on that. Well, I guess if we're gonna talk about music, one of the big news stories musically wise in uh two thousand one was the fact that in July Napster shuts down. Yeah. Lars Ulrich's favorite company. Yeah, he got his way, you know. Well, they shut down and three three hundred other companies that do the same thing right. popped up. Exactly. You so can't kill it. What good did you really do? Yeah. It you know, in in hindsight, he you know, he was right. He had well intentioned, you know, because music does not sell anymore. Right. No, it's true. And it's it's it was at this time that that all started going down because, you know, before this you really when the internet starts becoming accessible to everybody. Yeah. You know, and by 2001, it pretty much is. I mean, we got Wikipedia and shit by 2001. Yeah. You know, we're, the internet is rocking. You know, people are connecting all over the world, and file sharing has knocked the record sales down Big time. so much. I mean, if you look at, like, the Billboard Top 200 from 2001 and look at it from, like, years previous, like in the 80s and yeah. the 90s, you know, there's a huge difference between how high you chart and how much you sell. Yes. You know, if you look at today, like you say, wow, well, this band just charted at number four on the U.S. Billboard charts. Yeah, well, how much did they sell? Yeah. Compared to the earlier like 30,000 or something? Yeah, you know, you would have had to sell a whole hell of a oh, lot yeah. more albums, you know, way more to there get were, that kind of ranking. There were albums selling a million in a week. So, you know, yeah. file sharing is really affecting the music business, you know, and it's, it is, you know, you got to agree with Paul Stanley and we support it as well here at yeah. the Decibel Geek Podcast. Buy this music, support these artists. That's what it's all about, you know. Go click through our Amazon link and do it. Exactly. Because we need money too. Sure, you know. Yeah. Everybody you know, it makes the world go round. They say I need money to look up the price of a dozen eggs. Come on, sure. You know, someday one of us might have to buy our, uh, ourselves an artificial heart. Oh, I hope not. Well, I hope not too. But <laughs> thankfully, in two thousand one, the first one was invented. Yes, it was first you artificial know. heart. Heck Man. yeah! So let's get into some music. Yeah, because if you're a Guns and Roses fan in two thousand one, you got to be having a heart attack by now. Yeah. Because in two thousand one, Axl Rose is out of seclusion, and he's actually playing shows with new guns and roses yeah you're still five years into your wait for chinese democracy though yes technically it's been almost a decade at this point since a band called guns and roses has performed live yep if you know what i'm saying they play the rock in rio they're two hours late but they still get a pretty damn good response you know so so axel rose is out there with new guns and roses slash is out playing clubs with his new rod jackson fronted snake pit izzy stradlin releases an album called river and if i hadn't just totally skipped over that when i picked my albums i would have included that i forgot all about that one because that album river is awesome and in 2001 izzy stradlin is huge in japan 
Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Steven Adler, well, he's doing drugs. <laughs> and Duff oh, McKagan. Among is, other years. <laughs> Duff McKagan's been uh, keeping busy cranking out a ton of great music. And in 2001, he releases Loaded. Featuring David Ditterer on guitar from uh, Presidents of the United States of America. Oh, man. Strange, huh? That guy, he's a better guitar player than he leads on in his own band. He knows a lot about Peaches, too. Uh, new American Shame drummer Jeff Reading plays on this. And the uh, owner of famed Jupiter Studios in Seattle, Martin Fevrier, produces and plays keyboards on it. Duff. Oh. Duff, he sings, plays guitar, plays the bass, even plays a little piano. He does a little bit of everything on this one. Cool. That's cool. I got to see them play in a club here in Nashville years ago. Yeah, I got to yeah. see them play with Loaded not too long ago. Well, I guess it's been a few years ago now at the, uh, what was it, Free Beer and Hot Wings yeah. Hillbilly thing. Yeah. Were you Hill there that night? I think it was that show, yeah. That was cool. That was Some club we show met. they did, nice. yeah. Good good live band. Duff's a great musician, and man, talk about a smart guy. I like, yeah. Went back, got his master's degree. Like, he's, you know, he's... The guy's written book. If you ever read, you want to read a really good writer. He's an amazing writer. Yeah. That's his book is one of the next ones on my list to pick up. You know, and musically, in my opinion, everything Duff does is awesome. Yeah, and I, I will buy it. I can hear the uh, punk rock influence in that. Love Duff McKagan. Totally underrated member of Guns N' Roses. Yeah, definitely. And consistently, you know, involved in over the years, just continuously putting out great music. Yeah, he's a cool guy. And yeah, came back from the brink of death too. Yeah, I mean, that was one. That was one of those rock stars. That kind of a Keith Richards lines where it's kind of like amazing that he's alive today as hard as he yeah. party. Um, okay, Glad he is. So, so uh, July twenty fourth. A band called Jimmy Eat World puts out the album Bleed American. What? What? You're playing Jimmy Eat World? You don't like Jimmy Eat World? I don't think so, unless you're about to change my mind, but anything Maybe. I've heard, I'm not sure if that's, you know. Well, the hit off this album, which is probably their biggest hit, is a song called The Middle, which okay. is, that was a big pop pop right. rock hit. Yeah, that's what I, how I think I know it. The kind of power pop rock, but okay. you know, I like that stuff. I don't, right. this is, okay. It may not be your cup of tea. But this is their fourth studio album, and um, the album's called Bleed American, and out of concern that its title could be misinterpreted following the September 11th attacks, which we'll talk about in a little while, the album was re-released on October 9th, 2001, with just the eponymous title, Jimmy Eat World. Mm. Uh, in addition, the title track, which you're about to hear, was renamed Salt, Sweat, Sugar, but I'm going to call it Bleed American, and this is Jimmy Eat World. Space side. 
Yeah, so not maybe not as bad as you expected. No, that's actually not <laughs> bad at all. That's kind of cool. Maybe I ought to give Jimmy Eat World a, another chance. Yeah, it's. I mean, they're a pretty good band, and uh, I figure you can have your Hulk Hogan, I can have my Jimmy Eat World. Okay, so that's <laughs> that works for me. No, I, yeah, I I dig that stuff, and uh, just I thought it was interesting with the story about the album title, with considering what we're going to talk about here in a little while. Right. Yeah. Because so, yeah, there's no avoiding it in 2001. No, there's not. All right, so what do we got next? All right, time to reel it back in, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 2001 is tough times for the metal gods. Well, you know, in fact, nobody's really been treating them like metal gods for quite a while without Rob Helford, who's been out of the band for 10 years. Now, Judas Priest got some mixed reviews on Ripper Owens' debut, Jugulator. You know, some fans like the heavier, more aggressive style they pursued with their new singer, but a large amount of the hardcore Priest fans just weren't having it. understand why the purists weren't digging it experimentation with synthesizers samples and effects a song written by the drummer blasphemy judas priest blasphemy while at times demolition is a callback to a more classic priest sound at other times it's more reminiscent of bands like testament and megadeth now if you're not a judas priest rob helford purist this is actually a pretty damn good metal album even if it features the all-time lamest Priest album cover of all time. Oh, it's awful. Why? I don't understand that. There's nothing about that that grabs the attention. It's just dull. Very yeah. dull. I don't know. It, the, my problem with this album is not really Ripper. Ripper was great. I mean, the guy yeah. had an amazing voice. Oh, man, he shows why he got the gig on this. I just think Glenn Tipton was just, I don't know, misinformed or misguided in how he what he was trying to pull off. And I don't know, his production work is just... The sh is shitty. Yeah, I, I just well, don't like the know, way this album's produced at all. I mean, you're totally right about Ripper Owens because on this album, more than the previous one, not only do you hear the influence of Rob Halford, but you also hear a lot of Ronnie James Dio yeah. and some very unique vocal stylings of his own as well. Um, you know, Tipton and Downing they they shred on it, but you know, in the end, it's just not enough. The demand for the return of the original metal guys is unrelenting, and it won't be long before the Judas Priest fans get their wish. And then they get Nostradamus. But anyway. <laughs> Coincidentally, Alice Cooper fans in 2001 aren't too happy with the overuse of what our good friend Toby Wright would call ear candy on his album. Was it Dragontown this, this year? Dragontown. Yeah. Alice Cooper fans, you know, at the time, the, the consensus was this is the worst album since Dada. 
And I love Dada. I was going to say personally, I'll yeah. I'll take Dada. I don't. Yeah, I do not like Dragon Town. And I remember when we were when Aaron and I go back and forth on what we're picking for the episodes. He was taken aback that I didn't pick anything off this album because I just assumed that you know it's an Alice Cooper album. You yeah, would. I don't love everything he's done, and that album in particular, that one, and I don't like Brutal Planet either. I don't See, like either of those albums because after you left Alice Cooper on the table, after you left Dragon Town, I went back and said, well, damn, you know, yeah. somebody's got to pick it. And then I listened to it. I was like, man, I don't really want to pick anything off here either. It's just it's not a strong album. It seems contrived. It's very contrived. Yeah. And it doesn't... Like, it's Alice Cooper trying to do something that somebody told him was popular. And, well, of course, you Kiss know, did it, too. And yeah, we, I mean, they, like that they all do it, but, yeah. you know, Alice Cooper, just stick to the, you know, just be weird, but you don't need all that extra it's, stuff. It, it was too much. It's so funny too with... Too much effect. It's so funny with Alice Cooper, though, because, you know, if you're if you're just a general music listener... And you see the image of Alice Cooper with the makeup, you think, okay, heavy, heavy, hard rock music. Right. But when he tries to, in my opinion, when he tries to do it like he did on Dragon Town, he falls short. But he's that's better too, when that's it's more too heavy. When it, he's more of an avant-garde rocker. Right. But you again, know. look at it around this time, I guess not in 2001, but around this time, you know, Helford's doing that two project, you yeah. know, and that's kind of long. The them same album. lines too. Yeah. yeah. Where it was just too it was weird. weird. Yeah. 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 Too weird. I like the weird of Dada. Not, Alice Cooper's not good when he, of, when he goes weirder. I don't know. When yeah. he tries to do just in line rock music, Alice it's not Cooper as good. should never do what is popular at the moment. He should never do what somebody tells him is popular because when Alice Cooper is doing what he thinks is not popular because he just wants to do it is when it comes to the really, really great stuff for him. Yeah. And, and most bands. So yeah, I'm sure if some of you that listen are angry right now and love Dragon Town, and that's great if you do. Yeah, go to the Facebook page. Let us know. Well, yeah, tell us that we suck. But that's fine. <laughs> but I mean I we can take it. We just don't dig the album ourselves. No. Um, you know what? In earlier we uh last week we talked about the the fact that, you know, for a long time it's been really tough to be one of those LA rock bands, you know, you're just not getting respect. You're you know, bands like Poison, they're just not cranking them in. It, it's almost become a shameful thing to be a fan of those kind of bands for a long time. Yeah. In the, you know, mid to late nineties. But in two thousand one, you know, an event happens that changes all that. Because Back before then, you know, when things were hot, when for the for the LA scene for that kind, them kind of bands, the Guns N' Roses, the Motley Crues, you know, the Poisons, there was a band that burst out of the scene onto the scene in the late '80s called Tough. And by the time they started getting major recognition, the Great Wall of Grunge came crashing down, and there was no way a band that looked like Tough was going to survive it. Mm-mm. No way. They had officially released their final album, Religious Fix, in 1995. Stevie Rochelle had stayed busy releasing two solo albums, two more tough compilation albums, appeared on two Shameless albums, and released three CWA albums. Oh, yeah. Cheeseheads with Attitude. I'm not familiar with them. (laughs) So, you know, naturally, I was pretty excited when I heard Stevie Rochelle had something new coming out, but I had no idea how big of an impact the new tough single was going to have. Yeah, well, I've been up and down, town to town with several bands. Been tortured for ten long years by critics, agents, and the A&R man, and some bandwagon fans. It's time to stand up, fight back, be proud, and once again be free. So if you want a piece of me, come and get it. Kurt Cobain is gone, but I'm back wearing leather pants and a backwards hat. Guitar slung low where the down boys go. Trains back, so on with the show. A metal health and dressed to thrill. I'm an SMF 
a parody of the Kid Rock hit American Badass. American Hair band, uh, band made fun of bands like Pearl Jam, The Screaming Trees, and Nirvana, accusing them of being boring bands that stare at their shoes on stage while singing the praises of bands like Van Halen, Kiss, Motley Crue, Twisted Sister, and other bands that had seemingly been phased out in the last half decade by grunge. Now, I can tell you, I was working on rock radio when this came out. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, in my own little piece of the world at the time was Central Wisconsin. And, you know, I just so happened to be a huge Tough fan that was working on radio in a time where you would never even think you'd ever get to play a Tough song. But when this came out and I started playing it, people started to actually change their attitude. Right. You know, instead of it not being cool to like Poison, people started thinking, you know, that was more fun. It was more fun. It's fun you memories know? to look back on that era. And it was about this same time that Hair of the Dog was playing up in Wisconsin, right. where they were huge. You know, people were kind of getting sick of the the boring, you know, kind of grunge thing where it's not cool to be over the top. No, you guys are rock stars. You're supposed to be over the top. That's what you're doing to yeah. entertain us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, believe it or not, I think that, you know, this song getting played all around the country, you know, really had an effect. Because right. it's hard to argue the lyrics. Yeah. You know, it's really hard to argue it when he's saying stuff like that. And, you know, it's not a coincidence that it was at this time that it started being okay to start liking yeah. these bands again. Well, it's, you know, those of us that were around at that time and remember that were active music listeners at that time, you know, it was it was like an era of the ordinary rock star. Like, there were right. no rock star. Everyone looked like the guy that was on the bus. Right. And it was kind of like, how do you get excited about this, you know? It's, and, it's like, I haven't to. made fun of Nickelback in a long time, but <laughs> does Nickelback look anything different than, like, a guy you would see shopping at Walmart? Or a dude you'd meet at the punch clock right. on your there's way to no, work? There's oh. no rock star look about that, and I know looks aren't everything, but to me it is. I to mean, me like, it is, I, too. You know, Carry yourself like one. You it's know? entertainment. Yeah, it's entertainment. You know, entertain me. Don't look like some schlub on the street. I right. Mean, but yeah, it was. Uh, but then again, that's coming from a couple of Kiss Van Halen fans. But that know? song, <laughs> I you know, I remember when the Tough thing came out because it got played here in Nashville too. I bet you there was a lot of people that never heard of Tough before two thousand one. Oh, probably not. But I remember when it came out, it got decent airplay because it it brought a lot of happy memories back to people. Yeah. And I remember people even talking about the song. Going, yeah. Oh man, I remember that. It was talking about Motley Crue and. Guns yeah. and Roses and all that, and it's like, yeah, man. I mean, that was it was a breath of fresh air and a kind of a dark time for music at the time. Right. It's a good, honest song. You know, it was a it was a cover of the Kid Rock tune, and you know, it which just, was a cover of a Metallica which, tune, of course. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it just spoke volumes. You I know? do think it's funny that Metallica, a band noted for their hatred of L.A. hair metal bands, kind of in an indirect way was responsible for a song that's paying homage to. L.A. Right. hair metal band. Sure, and help to pave the return, you know, <laughs> yeah. where, where bands like that could go out and make money again. Yeah, so that's that's pretty interesting. So um, my next pick, uh, we're in August now, 2001. On August 8th, Mr. Big put out an album called Actual Size. And this was their sixth pro- studio album produced by Richie Zito. It's the final album to feature Richie Kotzen, um, who was you know came in for Paul Gilbert when he left the band. Mm-hmm. And this is the last album they would put out for 10 years. They put out an album a couple years ago. And, um, a damn good one. A good one, too. Um, actual size, I'll be honest, not one of my favorite albums by them, but uh, this track is a, is a standout to me. This is Mr. Big with a track called Wake Up. You go to school with 
Mr. Big, uh, last album we would hear from them for years. Um, honestly, I did not like the shift in their music um, as the years went on because they, if you remember the first album, a lot of shredding and stuff yeah. between Billy Sheehan and Paul Gilbert. Yeah, because and, they're all virtuosos. Oh, sure. And, and Richie's no different. Amazing guitar player, but... I'm glad he didn't turn these guys into old Memphis blues band like he did when he was in Poison. Oh, uh, you didn't care for the Native Tongue album? <sighs> no. Nah, not not really that exciting of an album. Like, good playing, but... Right. I don't know. But yeah, it no... totally changed the dynamic and ruined it, but at least I can still tell this is Mr. Big. Yeah, it's Mr. Big, but they like they kind of went kind of in a more of a... I don't know. It's almost not like they're selling music to housewives as the years went on. Right. Because they, they had that hit with the, that ballad, and yeah. then it's like, all right, let, let's market to this this group. It's kind of like Def Leppard did know. the same thing. A lot of these bands are doing the same thing at this time, where it's like they they had the hits with the ballads, yeah. And it's like, okay, we're in tough times, you know. But now it's starting. Now that that tough song came out, we were we're make comebacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like that song, let's hit them with the ballads again. But you know, yeah. it just doesn't work so much. Anymore. That song in particular, I like, but that's really straddling the edge of how AO. I will listen right. to you know? yeah because that's a little more leaning towards like Michael Bolton kind of stuff uh, yeah that I don't so, want so none yeah. of that but when they did do their comeback album much better stuff oh man that comeback yeah. album was really good what Pig's Fly I, I don't think? remember what it was called well I know the single was Next Time Around but I can't remember the name of the album right I think it was called hand. When Pig's Fly it was really good I'm not on Wikipedia at the moment so. me neither I'm <laughs> just telling you my memories <laughs> alright so uh, we're in uh, that was August and our, we're, we're, oh, still we're still in August, August. Okay. you're still picking and it's still up to me okay so uh, my next song pick here's a, a band that was very relevant in 2001 Danger Danger <laughs> Um, they released Cockroach on on August 9th. And, you got to um, give a band like that credit that they're in by this year. It. They're still doing it. That's awesome. Yeah, and um, this is there's an interesting story behind the the Cockroach album because it's a two album set. It's a two CD set. The one CD features Ted Poley as the singer, and the other CD features Paul Lane as the singer. Huh. The album was recorded in '93 while Ted Poley was still the singer of the band, and then after finishing it, Ted Poley leaves the band and Paul Lane is hired. And then he recorded the vocals in 1994. However, Ted Poley then sues the band, and the label shelves the album. Wow. So Epic decided to shelve it, and the band went on with their career. And then it was the album, the album was the first to be recorded after Danger Danger had parted ways with uh, keyboardist Casey Smith, which Danger Danger in the early 90s, the keyboardist is a big part of the band. Yeah. Um, but in 2001, the year we're talking about, Epic decides to release the album as a two-CD set, and they include both versions, which in my opinion... It's kind of a cool thing for a record company to do because that's usually not the type of oper you know operating procedure for a record company. I wonder if that's the case because so many people were probably getting the bootleg 
Maybe you know, like the Carnival of like Souls Carnival album. Of Souls. I don't know. I'm not. You know, I'm. I'm. I'm a fan of Danger Danger, but not big enough to remember when this came out. But um, and then in 2004, Ted Poley comes back to the band, and I think he's still in the band now. Yeah, they're still doing it too. Um, but yeah, so it's it's interesting, and uh, this is one version of the of the song. This is still kicking from Danger Danger. <laughs> I guess technically not 2001, but 93, but released in 2001. That's pretty cool, man. I yeah, like that. I like the riff on it. I that. like it a lot. It's good playing. Really good. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So, is Danger, Danger, Danger in 2001. 2001. Wow. All right. So, what do you got next? All right. Up next, I got one from, uh, well, in 1998, future Guns N' Roses and 6AM guitarist DJ Ash- Ashba uh, joined the Bullet Boys. That's when he meets Bang Tango and Joe Lestay. By the following year, the two would form a group with future L.A. Guns bassist Kenny Queens and former Shark, uh, Shark Island drummer Glenn Sobel. and well, he rhythm plays for gu- Alice now. Yeah, and rhythm guitarist Anthony Fox, and they called the band Hellstar. In July of 96, the band gets a gig filling in for Ted Nugent in Houston, Texas on the KISS reunion tour. You know the story with that? Mm, no. Because well, I was reading that, I couldn't find nothing of why, you know, why Ted Nugent had dropped out of that show. Of the reunion tour? Uh-huh, in 96, and this band Hellstar gets to play. I don't remember Nugent being a part of that tour. Yeah, that's what, huh. from as far as I could, I read a bunch of different things that said it, it happened, but I He none, was the farewell tour why. opener. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Was it farewell? Yeah, 2000. Okay. I don't know. This said 96. That's, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe a misprint somewhere. Maybe, but I saw it a couple of different places. See, this is where it gets tricky doing the research sometimes. Damn you, Wikipedia. <laughs> And several other pages that will go unnamed right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at any rate, you know, I guess they did some shows for, uh, opening for Kiss, and they ended up getting into the studio and changing their name to The Beautiful Creatures. And they go into the studio and they record their debut album, which is pretty kick-ass.
This album's produced by Sean Beaven, known for his work with Marilyn Manson, Nine Inch Nails, and A Perfect Circle. And despite all that, this is still a straightforward rock album. It's really good. I like good. that. Yeah, Man, it's that, very cool. It's a great riff on that song. You know, this album got some decent attention at the time from rock radio and had some songs featured on TV and in movies. And it, this band earned a spot on uh, OzFest that year, too. So uh, eventually, Ashba and Sobel would leave... Uh, Beautiful Creatures, they'd be out by 2003, and they would release only one more album, an album called Deuce, released in 2005, featuring guitarist Alex Grassi and future Ace Fraley drummer Matt Starr, hmm. which is an album that's mixed by Toby Wright. I'll have to check that one out. That's That one, I think, is, you know, it's funny because, you know, Ash was out of the band by this point, but I like the second one better. Huh. But both of these albums are definitely worth checking out. I'm going to listen to more of them. I remember when they were around, but I never really bothered to take take a listen to them. Yeah, I just happened at one time to pick up the uh, the Deuce album. And then when I was rolling through for 2001, I said, oh, yeah, that first album, I always meant to huh. check that out. It's, it's really good, too. I think I like that better than Bang Tango, personally. Yeah. Yeah. Me, too. Pretty good. Okay, so my next pick... Um, to August 21st and a band called Body Jar releases an album called How It Works and I'm pretty sure we've played a cover by Body Jar in the past that you picked didn't yeah. we? Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't what remember song it was. which one it was either. Was this, yeah, uh, it was was really it cool. the Alex Harvey cover? Sensational no, Harvey? no. That, that was, that was uh, Spearfish. Oh yeah. Well I'll have to look it up. But it, I'll have to look it up too. I don't remember. We have played this band on the show before. They're an Australian punk rock group and this album was their sixth studio album the single from the album, Not the Same, was used by Pepsi in an advertising campaign in Australia, cool. and it was also used in two video games, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 and MX Superfly. So this is also, the early 2000s was around a period of time where, you know, this is when file sharing became a big thing, and this is when you started to see the shifts of rock bands putting their music in video games and commercials and stuff, yeah. which was always considered a huge no-no, like in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. Was like, oh, you sold out to commercialism. You're right. putting your stuff in video games and commercials. But at this point, it's like we got to make our it's money. It's the somehow. source of income for yeah. a lot of bands now, and it, now it's completely standard operating procedure. You'll hear songs right. in commercials, and then you'll hear the album. Right. I mean, it's done the other. It's done that way now. So it's it's an interesting thing to look at. But this is the Australian punk rock group Body Jar with Ordinary Lives. Run. Jason X Rated R coming soon. 
take your support of the show to the next level. Head over to decibelgeek.com and click on the Amazon link the next time you go shopping. A percentage of your purchase goes back into supporting the show. Not shopping? Click on the donate button and tip your DJs. back with the 2001 year in review part two and uh a very angry way of coming back into the show and there's a reason for that um yeah. we're now to september of nine of of 2000 and i'm sure everyone knows what we're about to talk about and the reason i played such an angry song called die motherfucker die is this song i think represents the sentiment that most americans felt after what takes place on 9-11 yeah for sure you know it was Man, that's a crazy day. That's that's something that, you know, if if you're an American, you will always look back on that date, you know, once a year and say, I remember where I was and how it, you know, how what went down from my perspective, mm-hmm. whether you were there or you were somewhere else, you yeah. know, as an American, that's something that, you know, if you're above a certain age, you're always going to remember that. Yeah, I was um, I was waiting tables in a Perkins restaurant in Blue Springs, Missouri. And Perkins is just kind of like an old person's Shoney's type restaurant. Right, sure, I know Perkins. You know, good good breakfast food. And uh, so I remember it clearly. I would I, every it seemed like every time I'd go back to the kitchen to get more food, something else had happened. Yeah. And like initially, it was on the radio because our cooks would listen to the radio, and they would announce what happened. And we had a TV in the back office, so I, we'd all rush back in between getting our orders out to go see what was going on on TV, and. Um, it was crazy. Like for you know, the World Trade Center gets hit first, and you think it's an accident, just a horrible accident. Right. Then the second one gets hit, and you're like, okay, something's up here. And then they say the Pentagon gets hit, and it's like, holy shit, what's going to happen yeah. next? And then I remember p- reports at the time saying they had tra- they were tracking a plane that they think is heading towards the White House. And I was like, I I honestly thought World War III was breaking out right in front of us, which in a way it kind of has, right. considering where we're at sure. today. Yeah. Um. Also, uh. One of our cooks was Iraqi, yeah, and was taking pleasure in this, and we just about beat the shit out of him that day. Wow! We told him one more word, and you're not going to like what happens. And he shut up for the rest of the day. Yeah, but he was taking pleasure in this. Damn! Um, not that all Iraqis felt that way. Sure, but no, I think he not. he had an issue. I was thinking, well, you're you're gainfully employed here in America. Go the fuck home then. Right. Um, and then also, uh, I at about two hours after the attacks happened. I was serving a couple of guys that were sitting at a booth, and one of the guys was just bawling his eyes out at the table. And I looked at the, his friend, and I said, is he okay? And he said, yeah. He's like, well, he's really upset. Um, his fiance works in one of the towers, and he can't get a hold of her. Damn. And the guy was just a, a wreck. And I can imagine. So I paid for their meal, and I was nice. just like, you know, God bless you guys. And um, But, yeah, I didn't see him again, so I don't know what 
you know what happened but yeah because it touched everybody that really personalized it for me because i was like holy shit there's so here's somebody directly affected by right. what's going on it was a it was a fucking crazy day I it mean, was insane yeah. i remember going ace was you know just a little over one years old i took him over i was supposed to go in and do an earlier shift on the radio that day i was filling in for somebody so i was going to work from like 11 till 5 yeah and uh i go to drop ace off at the babysitter i'm sitting around hanging out with uh the lady's husband talking to him and all of a sudden it all starts going down and i'm like whoa it happened like around 9 a.m yeah it all started up and i was going to show up a little bit early so you know then i'm sitting there it's like oh man you know i'm just blown away about what i'm seeing on tv about how it's all going down and then it dawns on me it's like oh I got to go to work at a radio station now. Right. You know, so I like, I got to go, I got to go. So I jumped in my car and hauled ass to work and got there and they're all standing around looking at the TV. And for the next, you know, five or how many ever hours, I'm basically standing there, you know, watching CNN Mm -hmm. and relaying what's going on. Right. You know, just every few minutes, you know. And the thing was, was they came in and said, you know, they pulled me aside. And I remember they said that, you know, no matter what, under no circumstances, if you get the request for, we don't care how popular it is right now, you are forbade from yeah. playing the song "Let the uh, Bodies, Bodies yeah. by Drowning Pool. Yeah. You know, and then at, to look back on it now and doing the research, there was a whole list of songs that were banned from yeah. radio. You know, and that day, man, I'll never forget it. I was just like, you know, here doing this, we're having fun, we're talking, yeah. you know, it's just having a good time. But, you know, talk about solemn on the oh, radio awful you know yeah. and it's like you know you don't feel like you can be entertaining no you don't feel like you know because you're you're nervous you know because yeah. you're kind of there to tr- kind of reassure like i was supposed to do reassure the people of central wisconsin that you know there's something crazy going on but we're going to be okay right you know just be vigilant and you know keep your eyes open and you know and then just relay whatever i was seeing off the tv inside you're freaking out going what the hell's going on right on the inside i don't even know what's going on i'm just relaying everything i see a lot of radio stations weren't even playing music they were just sort of just relaying stuff off the tv and just taking phone call i like i think it turned into more of a talk radio day that day for most people see they just had me play music and you know and just relay information in between just like a, a normal shift but with no good news right just in between all the focused songs, on that you know yeah. but the funny thing is is that's the only song i remember them telling me that i can't play right. you know but as it turns out there was a whole list that was released by uh in the 2001 clear channel memor- uh, memorandum that was uh released that right after the attacks that there was a whole lot of songs you couldn't play and i didn't even realize it i might have played some of these i have no hmm. idea ACDC had a bunch of songs on this list. Dirty Deeds, Done Dirt Cheap, Hell's Bells, Highway to Hell, Safe in New York City, for obvious reasons, I guess. Shoot to Thrill, Shot Down in Flames, and Mm. TNT. Um, You know, and some of these, it just seems like they were picked because, you know, of just something in the title. BC Boys, Sure Shot, Sabotage, Um, The Animals, We Gotta Get Out of This Place. Hmm. Uh, Black Sabbath, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, and War Pigs was on the list. Wow. Um, let's see. Creedence Clearwater Revival Traveling Band. Traveling Band? 747 coming out of the sky. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that'll do it. Think about it. Um, the Cult, Firewoman. You couldn't play that on the day. Uh, the Doors, The End, Dio, Holy Diver. It wasn't allowed to be played. Uh, I mentioned Drowning Pool, Bodies. Um, 
Foo Fighters learned to fly. You know, a lot of them just about, you know, jets, Spirit in the Sky by Norman Greenbaum, Knocking on Heaven's Door by Guns N' Roses. You know, yeah. so Judas Priest, some heads are going to roll. Was anybody playing that on radio anyway? I don't think so. 2001? If they did, I'd love to know who they were. <laughs> Even Zeppelin, Stairway to Heaven was on that list. It's almost you anything know. involving death at all. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, Local H, Bound for the Floor. This song doesn't even really reference anything about anything, but the title, you know, Bound for the Floor. Yeah, well, the issue and, with uh, people jumping out of the building. Right. You know, Megadeth, Dreading the Fugitive Mind, Sweating Bullets. Um, Metallica was on the list with uh, Enter Sandman, Fade to Black, Harvester of Sorrow, Seek and Destroy, uh, Mudvayne. Um, what song? Oh, Death Blooms. Yeah, I love that song. Ozzy Osbourne, Suicide Solution. You couldn't play that, which Man. I don't know too many people were playing that one anyway. Yeah. Um, they were all just, songs by Rage Against the Machine. Well, they all are pretty violent. Yeah. yeah um, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Aeroplane. Um, well, that song see. just sucks. I should keep that on the band list. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just uh, you know, just some strange ones. Even uh, Van Halen, Jump. You know. Yeah, of course. Temple of the Dog, Say Hello to Heaven. All right. Well, I guess the only good thing to come out of any of this was that for one day nobody was playing Alanis Morissette's "Ironic." <laughs> For one day. God. You know, I heard that song on the radio not long ago, and, I, and it hit me. I was just like, what the fuck were we thinking back in those? I don't know. I just. I never liked it. I know. Well, I didn't like that song, but like, uh, you know, You Ought to Know was okay, I guess. Never but, liked it. But now when I listen to it in hindsight, it's like, man, it's just really not, not good at all. I don't know. Fingernails on a chalkboard. Yeah, or like what, drill one, in a tooth. One hand in my pocket and stuff like that. Just like, this is really not good. It has not aged well. Let's just say that. It wasn't any good when it came out. Well, you, let's God just say Aaron Camaro was right and I was wrong. But um, Wow. So then, you know, a week after a week after 9-11, uh, the anthrax scares start taking place. Yes, but anthrax will not change their name right. despite of it. As they or in spite of revealed it. in the uh, New York Steel Benefit show. Yep. And if you want to hear the full story on that, go to the Eddie Trunk episode we did with him. Um, so I guess two good things came out of it. Anthrax got a whole new, you know, their their gave them press. I hate to say yeah, it, but it did. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So um. My lone pick from September, song wise, Saxon comes out with an album in September of, of two thousand one. The album, which this album would have been banned too, called Killing Ground. Yeah, it sure would have. It have been on that list if anybody was playing Saxon in two thousand. Yeah, nobody on was the radio. playing Saxon. <laughs> But uh, this was their 15th studio album. You know, Saxon's been around a long time. And uh, the album was produced by Biff Byford and Saxon. But man, I, I just love this song. This is the title track. This is Killing Ground.
Now, you know, I wish that Saxon didn't have to sell out and try to sound like all the other bands that were out at that time. Oh, yeah, totally. (laughs) If there's one band that definitely has stuck to its guns over the years, it's Saxon. Right. Saxon is a genre of rock music. Yeah, all to themselves. (laughs) It's a good one, though. That's a heavy-ass song, man. Great guitar playing on that tune. Awesome. Yeah. All right, so um, moving into October... You know, I guess then the story continues from 9-11 because in, on October 7th, the war in Afghanistan is officially begun. And, you know, as far as I can tell, still goes on to this day. Pretty much. You know, I mean, what can we do? You know, guys, come on. It's the Decibel Geek podcast. You know, there's we could talk about 9-11 forever, you know, mm-hmm. and talk about the conspiracy theories and all everything that goes along with it. Yeah. But, you know, the fact is, is that this is a music show, you know, and we wanted to well, relate to it because you cannot talk about 2001 it. without it, yeah. you know, and it's, we want to pay respect to it and we don't want to make light of it, no. you know, so we want to treat it with the respect that it deserves. I've, you know, I've got my opinions on what went down and sure, how it went down in the SODU. But you know we're not here for that. No, because so. if we start if we start uh, talking like that, this gonna, is going to turn into a four hour show, and at the end we're going to have to cram in a little bit of music stuff. And we want you to come back next week and listen. Right. To we don't want to piss know. off whoever, whatever side of the fence you're on, because I don't I don't take a side either way. But um, hmm. but yeah. So musically, uh, October twenty third. Well, a huge piece of news happened, which yes. uh, that affects. Well, finally, some good news. Those of again. you listening to this, the yeah. I, the iPod is introduced on October twenty third. How many of you right now are listening to the Decibel Geek podcast on your iPod? A lot of you. A lot of you. We know it. So there's a reason we, enough to do a two thousand one year in review. Yeah, leave us a review on iTunes. Yes, on your iPod. I like that you fit that in. Yeah, it's perfect. But yeah, it was you know it was a, it was revolutionary, and I watched the uh, keynote address uh, the other night when I yeah. was researching. And it's, you know, and then you've put yourself back because now it, it doesn't seem like a big deal at all. No, but I, th- in I 2001, remember. 2001, it was a huge deal. I remember being a young kid going, you know, guys, if there was just, can you imagine if there was a thing that you just plug your headphones in like you do your Walkman, but yeah. you don't have to carry cassettes with you, the music's all right there. Like you just push a yep. button or whatever and whatever band you want comes up and then you pick whatever song you want. Yep. Wouldn't that be cool? That was revolutionary, and, and then like, it came. Yeah. It came true. Yeah, and Steve Jobs is doing the keynote, and he's holding it up, and he's like, "This little thing here will hold your music library." The first yes. one it would hold a thousand songs, which yeah. at the time seemed insane. Right at the time, like, now it's like, like, "What man, am I going to do with all my CDs?" It's like you know, all of that. My whole your whole music collection will fit on this one thing. It's beautiful. It was amazing. I mean, and now was, you know, it's how oh, many songs do you pack on one of them like now? Thirty-two gigs now, so you know, five, six thousand songs, maybe nice. even more. Yeah. Well, you know, you've got you've got your buddy right there next to you. Yeah, Ziggy. I yeah. couldn't live without him. Yeah, it's uh, the iPod's an amazing invention. It's revolutionary. Love it. So yeah, we owe a lot to that because you can Steve listen. Jobs. You can listen to a lot of kick-ass rock and roll and heavy right. metal from the year two thousand one. Just subscribe and just subscribe to this show. You can listen to all of our episodes. Yeah, we'll come to you. Just right. subscribe. You hit the button once, and we come to you. I guess we should get out of commercial mode. Okay, <laughs> it's not our fault that so, iPod um, was introduced in two thousand one. Yeah, so we're on to on to cooler stuff. Um, so October October 9th, Gamma Ray comes out with New World Order or No World Order is the name of the album. Uh-huh. Is their seventh studio album, and if you don't know, Gamma Ray is a power metal band from Hamburg, northern Germany. Founded and fronted by Kai Hansen after yeah. his departure from the German power metal band Halloween, which many people consider the ultimate power metal band. Yeah, Halloween yeah, sure yeah, is. Great band. I think so. So, um, yeah, Gamma Ray is an awesome band, and this is a band that I've been 
digging more into their catalog over the last year or so. Me too, ever since we did Germany Rocks. Yep. And also I have to thank listener Brad Kalmanson, who for for years, honestly, has told us, you guys yeah. need to check into more of these bands. And, and he's right. He's right. There's great stuff there, and I'm, I'm getting into it now. So Gamma Ray released No World Order, and this is a track called New World Order. Rama going on there. That's freaking awesome. I love, I love that stuff. And in 2001, Ozzy Osbourne comes out with his eighth, eighth studio album, and it's the long way to follow up to Osmosis, which came out a long six years earlier. Mm-hmm. This features one of my all-time favorite Ozzy Osbourne band lineups. The Prince of Darkness assembled a super group for this one, including Zach Wilde on guitar, Robert Trujillo on bass, and Puffy Borden, the original Puff Daddy, on drums. Oh man, that's a super group right there. Now Zach Wilde doesn't contribute any writing to this to the songs on this album because the music featured on the Black Label Society album 1919 Eternal was originally intended to be used for this Ozzy Osbourne album for a 2001 release. But Ozzy listened to it and said it sounds too much like Black Label Society and he rejected it. Well, of course it does. I mean, Zach Wilde wrote he it, is. you know, so that is Black Label Society. So Ozzy opts to write with some outside writers. Uh, of course, the big hit single was Dreamer. Everybody mm-hmm. knows that one. That's a good That's a good ballad song. It is a good ballad. You know, there's some really great tunes on this album. I think it gets overlooked a little bit, but some of the good ones I really like, just a handful of them, uh, songs like Facing Hell, Junkie, that's a good one. Uh, Gets Me Through, that was a big song in 2001. But this one, Black Illusion, is pretty badass. Okay. 
Man, that whole album is really good, you know, and it was huge at the time. It went to number four on the U.S. Billboard Top 200. But you know what? I feel like it's underrated as a whole in the Ozzy Osbourne catalog. You don't hear it as a, like a go-to among the right. diehards that often. I mean, obviously, if you look at like myself as an Ozzy Osbourne mm-hmm. fan, if they said put your favorite Ozzy Osbourne albums in order, the top ones are going to be the Randy Rhodes albums. Uh, yeah, typically. obviously yeah. for me, you know. But I'd have to put this one right up there, following that. Oh, I mean, no, it's I'd... it's a thick, good, solid album. Ozzy Osbourne discography show might be a in order yeah we've done a the other side of sabbath but maybe yeah. maybe an aussie solo show might be fun to do yeah people like it when we argue <laughs> <laughs> i know we're not doing a request show but let's just say i'm f- i'm fulfilling a long time request from a listener with my next pick this is a long distance dedication yeah it is nice let's talk about fluffy who died last week um poor fluffy okay the band lit put out an album called atomic on October 16th, and Lit is tip- is a band we have never played on the show, and the reason I remember that we... Are you sure? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure we've never... Because our uh, a fine listener of the show named Brent Walter uh-huh. shares the link every week, super fan of the show, Yeah, has been trying to get us to play Lit for a long, long time. You know, I think you're right. He's, Maybe we have never played them. He is a Lit super fan. Okay. I'm not going to call you a groupie, Brent, because I don't want to like emasculate you <laughs> but he's he, he he and he went so far as to get me he convinced me to order their um documentary dvd that followed them around on tour yeah and it's entertaining i'm gonna loan it to you next because okay. i think you'll enjoy it and it's interesting because it, it 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 documents from when they were nobody's playing to nobody and it you know goes through when they actually got popular when uh, you know like my own worst enemy was their big hit okay right and everyone remembers that song and it so you see them before and then after they get some success and it's fun it's backstage stuff it's them getting drunk on the bus and it's a it's an entertaining documentary so watching that i was like well maybe i should give these guys more of a chance cuz i knew the radio songs and i'm like eh just whatever and it just so happened they come out with an album in 2001 they did they came All out right. with atomic it's their third studio album it peaked at number 36 on the billboard 200 chart Four of the songs would wind up on movie soundtracks. So, like I said, this was in the yeah. era where thing, where bands started selling more stuff off to soundtrack commercials and whatnot. Got to make your money somehow. And this is this actually, I think this song opens the DVD that I ordered. And uh, so, Brett Walter, here you go. Here's to you. This is lit with something to someone.
right, Brent. I hope it was worth the wait, man. Yeah, it's not bad. I'm gonna check it out. I'm gonna check out the the DVD. Yeah, I'm gonna let you have that DVD, and then you can check it out. And uh, I might be a huge lit yeah, fan. Yeah, maybe you'll and not be a lit fan. Know it. Maybe we'll like turn into lit geek podcast or something. Like we we used to do a bunch of shows about Kiss, but now it's all about lit. It's all about lit. <laughs> <laughs> I can I already know about that. I can already see all the unsubscribes being clicked. No, no offense, Brent. They're they're a decent band. Oh, it sounded yeah. cool. Yeah, it's good stuff. All right, now back to the Kiss. Because when Kiss reunited with Ace and Peter in 96, Bruce Kulick is out of the band. That sucks. Well, unless, you know, you're a big fan of the reunion, which everybody was. I like it all. You know, I like it all, too. But out of that came the band Union, which was kick-ass. But they released their final album the year before in 2000. Now, in 2001, Bruce is back to show what he can do on his own with his very first solo album, Audio Dog featuring some songs that Bruce intended for Kiss over his tenure with the band. Not just recent, over the whole tenure he had some stuff. Some of these songs sound like they would have been great fits on the Carnival of Souls. Turn up the juice, Bruce. You know what I'm saying? Sounds sounds like Carnival of Souls. It does, me. especially yeah. the lead part. I like that. I like that Bruce, you know, held on to some of that stuff yeah. that he maybe produced, to, you know, gave to Gene at around Asylum times or something and it never worked out and bring it back for this, you good know. Stuff. It's really good, you know. It's produced by Bruce along with Kurt Cuomo. You know, we, we talked Heavily a lot about... Heavily involved with Carnival of Souls. Yeah, we talked a lot about Kurt when we uh, talked to Toby. Um, to uh, Cuomo also, also does the mixes, the engineering, and he plays keyboards and shares many of the co-writes. Former Union drummer Brett Fince, or uh, Brent Fince, I get it all backwards, Brent Fitz, <laughs> plays mo- uh, drums on most of the album. Uh, Kenny Arnoff plays on Dogs of Morrison, a song not about Jim Morrison. Kenny Aronoff has played, I think, on every album ever produced. Right, you know, so it's like, you know, you think about the Carnival of Souls era, it's like Gene wanted to be Billy Corgan, you know, Bruce Kulick just wanted to play with the drummer. Yeah. You know, it's it's all in the perspective. He's played with everybody, it's insane. You know? And then, on, of course, on the album, Bruce Kulick plays everything else of course much like carnival of souls that's like that audio dog's a really good album it's really good yeah. it's underrated i think a lot of people go to some of his other albums but that audio dog that first one's really definitely worth checking out i remember when that first came out mm-hmm. you pretty you much do. had to order it oh yeah and yeah, it was i did a mail order album. yeah i, I did was, too i was super you know this and that just shows how what big kiss fans we are we were so stoked to be able to order that and get it in the mail yeah you know? definitely very For cool sure. yeah and then uh so 
Uh, a little bit more sad news. Yeah, because talking about great guitarists, you know, we lost another one in 2001 yeah. when uh, George Harrison passed away. And when I was doing the re research on this, and then I, that came across that, I was just like, it, it, I can't believe it's been that long since he died. Yeah. It feels like it wasn't that long ago, but it, it was. It just, uh, and I, don't, I don't remember what it was that, he, that that took him. Do you? What was it? Was it cancer? It was some sort of cancer, yeah. I believe. Yeah. What a bummer. I'm a yeah. great guitar player. Man. It was whatever it was. He, I know he'd been battling it for quite a while at that point. Yeah. You know, and at that point, then in 2001, that leaves two Beatles left, you know, which thankfully both of them are still with us today, Paul Absolutely. McCartney and Ringo Starr. Yep. But, you know, it's sad, you know, when, when you lose so much in a year you know yeah. it's it's 2001 you know it's like you said earlier looking back it's there a is a year. lot of it's a dark year a lot of death in it you know it's yeah. it's crazy but you know we got some good stuff out of it too including a new album by guar so an uplifting thing yeah you know something <laughs> a little uplifting yes good news in 2001 the seventh studio album follow-up to 1997's carnival of chaos so it's been a little while now carnival of chaos was Boy, how do you put this for Guar? It's it was a very eclectic. It represented a variety of genres on one album. It, you know, from hard rock to you know really heavy metal to country songs what? to pop rock songs. Oh Guar yeah, Guar did a country song. Oh yeah, Guar. It's it's awesome. You know. <laughs> I'm probably not the guy to talk to about what's awesome in country music, but as far as what I know about yeah. country music, that Guar song may be the greatest of all Guar time. Is a Guar country song about your wife leaving and then dismembering her? If I remember correctly, it's, I don't know, it's, it's about something <laughs> or crazy. Or your, your dog you know? dies and then you eat the remains, or, you know, you gotta go with the Fucking with the an Gua, animal, the or, theme, yeah. you know, yeah, something, something, it was weird even for Guar. Okay. We'll just, we'll just say it at that, that, you out. know. So in 2001, they return with Violence Has Arrived, and the album re-solidifies Guar as a great metal band. Turn to those thrilling days of yesteryear with Dr. Mario 64 for your Nintendo 64. The puzzle classic returns with fast and furious Tetris-style gameplay. Stack the falling blocks correctly to clear the screen and make sure you zap those viruses as you go. 
The graphics are great and the gameplay grand. One to four players can go head to head in mind-melting mayhem. Make an appointment with Dr. Mario 64 for frantic, frenzied fun. The only podcast that goes to 11. These go to 11. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast. You are listening to the Decibel Geek Podcast as we take a roll back through time to 2001. And uh, so far, so good. You know, it's it's been ups, it's been downs, it's been some great music throughout the year. It's been, you know, it's like we said, it's been kind of a dark year. So yeah. as we close things out, of course, we want to talk about the births and the deaths of 2001 and some of the more notable deaths that we think here that we put the list together, I guess, um, that died in 2001. Morton Downey Jr., of course, TV host and 1980 presidential candidate. <laughs> Was he? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. I remember that. Yeah, he ran for president in 80, but... I'll always remember him because he had Ace Fraley on on his, his show. show. Remember him and the, oh, his the show cycle was sluts from hell. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I used to watch his show all the time. Yeah, hard to believe that guy died of lung cancer. <laughs> yeah, because he was like the way he smoked like five packs of cigarettes a day or something. Yeah, per episode. Yeah, God. Yeah, but then like there's a there's a documentary that came out on him. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see it's, that. It's, it's pretty interesting. That dude was pretty fascinating. He <laughs> very was, fascinating. He was wild, man. Then yeah. I bet ahead you, of his time too. A lot of kids nowadays, you know, probably think of Howard Stern, a shock, you know, entertainment and stuff, but don't really know about Morton Downey Jr. But the mouth, you know, if you're young, yeah, you know, you're interested in like outlandish characters. You oh, know, he you, was a character. You gotta, yeah, you gotta check out Morton Downey Jr. Yep. Um, also passed away in 2001, Mr. Belvedere, yeah. uh, Christopher Hewitt, the actor was named. Of course, that was a crazy show from childhood. Uh, he died of diabetes. Um, WWF Women's Champion Bertha Faye dies of a heart attack. Remember Bertha Faye? The she, only woman I remember was the fabulous Moolah. Yeah, Bertha Faye was a great big girl. Um, original Power, uh, Yellow Power Ranger Thuy Trang dies in a car accident. Um, Chuck Schuldiner, the father of death metal. Yeah, you know that was a that was a bummer of a passing because yeah, he had a brain tumor and you know and looking back, you think about death metal, that's the Wasn't guy. Wasn't the band Death that he fronted? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Beulah Ballbricker from Porky's. <laughs> yeah. I love where you get some of this stuff. Yeah, man. she passed away that year, had a heart attack. Of course, we talked about Dale Earnhardt yep. earlier. Um, Bianca Hellstead, we talked about with uh, um, Betty Blowtorch. Um, so here's some guys that lived to a ripe old age. John Lee Hooker, just uh, days before his 84th birthday and a scheduled tour. Yeah, he worked all the way to the end. Uh, Perry Cuomo, of course, megastar from TV and music, six days before his 89th birthday. And we wouldn't be, we'd get kicked out of Nashville if we didn't mention the passing of Chet Atkins. Met, at him, when I, uh, met him when I was about uh, 13 or 14 when I was yeah. taking, taking guitar lessons. Would see him regularly, actually. Yeah. He um, was good friends with my guitar teacher at a guitar repair store in Bellevue, which if you're not in Nashville, you don't know where that is. But he uh, would come in and uh, talk to my teacher. My teacher was a session musician, mm -hmm. so they knew each other, and um, he would sit down and he would play, and i get to watch him play just for me. That's awesome. And, I mean, like this, and, I, and, the, and you know, I can appreciate it more now in hindsight because I was 13, I was wanting to learn Motley Crue riffs and shit right. like that. So I'm like, I don't care about all this old stuff, but now when I think back, I'm like, man, he an amazing guitar player, 
and above all that, a super nice person. Sure, to take the time to yeah. sit down with somebody that get, you know, some punk like you. Yeah, getting to meet him was great, and then also at the same store, I got to meet Scotty Moore, Elvis's guitar player. Oh, nice! Another very nice person. That's very cool. So, yeah, Chet Atkins missed that guy. So basically, you know, that covers many of the deaths of 2001. And if you were born in 2001, well, hell, we probably haven't even heard you yet. So yeah. if you're in a band, get your ass to work. Yeah. Do something. So that we will hear from you. Yeah, help us bring back rock and roll. So uh, It's on the future of the children. The children of the Kiss Army are out there. So we've played a lot of really cool stuff today. We have. In the last two weeks, we've. Sh- I think we've proven that there was some damn good music that came out in it 2001. Was. However... Just like always, no matter what year it is, whether it be 89, 82, 75, all yeah. these great years we've done, you think it was all good, think again. Here's what the moronic masses were buying. Right. So <laughs> if you look at the top albums of the year, here's who they belong to. At number five, it was Stained. Number four, Enya. Number three, In Sync. Number two, Shaggy. Oh, fuck. And number one was Michael Jackson in 2001 with that Invincible album. I think that was the last big album he had, I think. Well, it was huge. It was number one. And then you think about, like, singles. You know, the the top five singles, number five was J-Lo and Ja Rule with I'm Real. Uh, Number four, probably my most hated song of all time. Like the song that I just cannot stand more than just about any other song in the whole world because it seems like every time I walk into some kind of department store <laughs> or something, this song is playing number four song of 2001, Train Drops of Jupiter. Housewife Rock. God. Although I will say the this, worst. the uh, singer for that band has a really good podcast, well, Pat Monahan. Good for him. I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> See, you He's know, a big fan of the type of music we play, but really? Train does nothing like that. No. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that song made him a lot of money. I'm, oh, sure, I'm somebody, sure it did. Somebody told him, you know, don't rock so hard. Play like this. Play this you know? stuff and that if women that, like. And if that's the case, you know, I don't want to give the guy shit or nothing, but oh, God, I, don't, I, I do song. not like that song either. It hate sucks. it. It's yeah. the worst. It's... it's I, I number three Janet Jackson all for you I'll take all for you over train <laughs> Alicia Keys too run falling. a train on Janet Jackson right yeah. but uh, when it comes to number one uh, Life House hanging by a moment I guess it's a tie I don't know and if you don't think that's bad enough I give you Exhibit B Exhibit B Crazy Town Butterfly one of the worst songs ever created Missy Elliott Get Your Freak On I remember that one Dave Matthews The Space Between awful i that's i offer you exhibit b if you think you know and it wasn't just you know the 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 masses you know you think the pop songs like alicia keys and janet jackson and shit think about 2001 and i worked on radio i can tell you the most popular bands of 2001 somebody was buying these albums by stained Uh lincoln park u2 creed lifehouse three doors down and Uncle Cracker. That was what the rock stations were playing. Somebody was buying all those albums. A lot of people were. I so, had Break the Cycle by Stained, I'll admit it. So even the rock and rollers aren't exempt from this because no. you guys were back in some. Well, Stained is actually a good music. live band. You know, they had that song Mud Shovel. I always really liked that. But even even the radio hits they had, the 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 lighter stuff, yeah. sounds a lot different live than it did on the on the album. Right. So I give a them, lot of times a believe me, company I, will I went my friend mold you. I had a friends in a band called Legion that was a big Nashville band. Mm-hmm. And they got to open for Stained at this place called City Hall that's no longer open. But and I went to see Legion, but Stained yeah. was playing along with some I think Nonpoint or something. And I was like, all right, well, I'll stick around for Stain and we'll see how good they are. 
And I have to admit, I ate my words. They were very impressive live. Yeah. So I give I can them credit. That. I still don't, I haven't gone out and bought their albums, but they're okay. They're because, not. I, I give them a pass. You know, you never know because we talked earlier in the episode about that 2001 rock radio production. Right. You know, maybe there's some of these bands were victims of that. Yeah. That we don't even know. Because even their singles know? sounded much better live. We could be wrong. Stain could kick ass. You know, maybe it's not their fault. See, maybe even Train rocks in concert. <laughs> I'll believe it Let's when not so- go crazy oh, now, yeah. right? I say, I'll, be- I'll believe it when somebody buys me a ticket, straight jackets me, and rolls me okay. into their show. All right. You hear that, listeners? <laughs> <laughs> I'm never leaving the house again. Oh man. So I guess that pretty much brings us to the end of th- 2001. This is this has been a lot of fun. It you is. know, it's, it's been a, kind of, it's a strange it's, year. It's a very strange year, but I'm glad we took the time to go back and look at this because there was some great music yeah. that came out that deserves the spotlight. Yeah. Next time we'll do the 70s or 80s. Yeah, for sure. We yeah. already got a couple planned out we yeah. we decided early in the year which three we were going to do throughout the oh, course yeah. of the year i gotta look that so up. yeah I'll figure out what we're doing next. figure get the the newest one out of the way sure. first but this has still been enjoyable yeah so you get the best of the best of 2001 with the decibel geek podcast before we go of course you know what check out the website leave us a review on itunes buy a t-shirt leave a, a donation if you feel like it subscribe and go to Amazon through our link at decibelgeek.com. Whatever you're buying. You know, we've played a whole lot of music for you from the year 2001 over the last two weeks. And links are all in the show notes. The links are always in the show notes. You know, it's our goal to work, especially these year-in-review shows. They're just rock and roll infomercials. I'm not going to lie to you. We want you to go out and support these artists because we believe they deserve it. And we know that you enjoy it. So, you know, that's just the way it works. Except for Train. I'm not putting a link in there. No, fuck don't. Them. Yeah, fuck them. Don't put the <laughs> <laughs> no Dave Matthews either. No assholes. Go dump your dump your shit over yeah, a bridge exactly. and Somewhere land else. on people. Yeah, <laughs> assholes. All right, I think that's enough fun for one year in review. So I guess on the way out, I've got one more to go, and I saved a good one for last year. I think you guys are really going to like this. So even though we're talking about 2001, I'm going to be talking about Glenn Hughes. So after releasing three albums in the previous year, Glenn Hughes is back again in 2001 with Building the Machine. It's his eighth solo album. Hughes is known for his time, of course, with bands like Trapeze and Deep Purple and, of course, Black Sabbath. And this is a solid rock album packed with well-written originals as well as two amazing covers. Um, Pat Travers appears on the track, I Just Want to Celebrate, which is a cover of a Rare Earth tune. And, uh, you know, I just want to celebrate. Yeah, that's the one. Another day of living. That's it. And uh, it's it's really interesting. Uh, Hughes covers himself on this album. And, you know, it's the whole thing is a straightforward rocker. It's got a funky edge to it. But everything's going to be a little bit funky when you got Glenn Hughes on bass. It also features some stellar guitar work from J.J. Marsh. And the album is a great example of what a cleaned up and focused Glenn Hughes can do. And by 2001, he's on a hell of a run that continues to this day. Talking about the two cover songs on the uh, on the album, I told you told you about. I just want to celebrate the other one. He does a cover of himself. It's a reworked version of the 1974 Deep Purple tune "Highball Shooter" from the Stormbringer album. So that's how we're going to end out 2001 with Love a great it. tune like that. You're, you guys are if the Deep Purple fans are going to dig this if they've never heard it. Everyone's going to dig it. So I hope you've enjoyed 2001, Chris. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, man. man. We got to do one of these again. But like Absolutely. you said, 70s or 80s next. Time. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We'll be back for more Decibel Geek Podcast for you right here next week. See ya.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 